From the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne, this is The Yarn. I'm Clancy Balin. Today, part three of Mental, a series that lifts the lid on our own minds to investigate what makes us tick and why. We've called this episode Phobophobia, or the fear of fears. You know, we dig down into what terrifies us, what keeps us awake at night, and why we might sometimes even enjoy scaring ourselves. We made this episode for the Science Gallery's mental season, in conjunction with All the Best Radio. Just a heads up though, this season does deal directly and indirectly with mental health issues, so take care while listening. Kicking things off is a story from Alyssa Hare about tocophobia, or the fear of childbirth. I was 10, sleeping over at a friend's house who lived on a farm. Her mom woke us up in the middle of the night. We ran outside barefoot, the wet grass sticking to our feet. We finally caught the satanic eyes of a goat staring back at us. There was something in the dark protruding out of it. She was in pain and she was helpless. A sour smell tickled my nostrils. My friend's mom rushed in, grabbed the baby's legs and pulled. A juicy mess lay on the ground, motionless. The mother looked exhausted and the baby was dead. Ever since then, I've been scared of pregnancy and of labor. There's a name for this fear. It's called tocophobia. It's a visceral rejection of pregnancy and giving birth. It defies biology, but there are actually a lot of women like me. In fact, it's becoming more common in modern society. The idea of growing another being inside of you is very scary. I sat down with my friend Ivy on an island near her home in Sydney. You can hear birds chirping in the background. Ivy also suffers from an extreme fear of pregnancy. She thinks this fear comes from her childhood too, but in a much different way coming from a traditional Eastern families, so there's definitely a lot of pressures. One of the key factors of tacophobia is a severe avoidance of pregnancy, sometimes causing women to go to great and bizarre lengths. Sometimes I would think that I was pregnant when I wasn't, and and I did a very silly thing. I, I googled how to cause a natural miscarriage. I ate a lot of raw broccoli. Did you? Because, <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of things that contained a lot of vitamin C. Right. Many women with tacophobia become obsessed with birth control. I was a teenager when I got my first IUD. The doctor tried to talk me out of it. She said I was the youngest patient who had ever requested one, but I insisted. I wanted the most permanent birth control option that was still reversible. Ivy, on the other hand, is seriously considering getting her tubes tied. She's weighing up the options right now. Tubal uh, ligation is, I guess, the most appealing to me at the moment. A word that got brought up a lot was regret because procedures are permanent. I've harbored this fear for nearly 16 years now, and I feel like it's time to do something about it. I got in contact with Dr. Browen Lee. She's a clinical psychologist and director of the Center for Perinatal Psychology. She described to me what tocophobia looks like from the outside. I guess the common thread is that it's important to be able to work out some of the underlying fears about what's what's driving the anxiety about being pregnant or labour and birth or or being a mother. So in some cases, it can be uh, something that has happened in the past. Ivy can relate to that. She grew up hearing the story of her own birth from her mother and just how traumatic it was. So she was going through a C-section. The nurse had covered her face in cloths, but they didn't realise that they didn't cover her eyes properly and she managed to catch the reflection and she saw them cutting her stomach open. 
I want to get to a point where I'm comfortable with the idea of being pregnant. I asked Dr. Lee about where these fears come from and how to overcome them. One of the underlying things that as humans make us anxious is uncertainty. Because uncertainty, as humans, we don't really like that. We like to know, we like predictability, and we like to be in control. That's part of what makes us feel kind of pretty safe and together. So the labour and birth experience, of course, is is sort of filled with uh, unknowns. Uncertainty. Uncertainty? Uncertainty? It's not something me nor Ivy ever considered before. But then again, we're both fiercely independent. We're certain in who we are. We're certain in what we want, certain in what we don't want. But giving birth is riddled with uncertainty. What will happen? Will I run into problems? Can I handle the pain? Dr. Lee says teaching women how to confront uncertainty is actually the best way to cope with tacophobia. She suggested I talk to my mom about her own birthing experiences. My mom is what Americans would call a straight shooter. So I asked her point blank what giving birth was like. What was it like? Really painful and I was glad to get it over with. Growing up, I feel like you told me a story about that giving birth feels like you're being lit on fire. More like you're being torn in half. (laughs) Despite her grim view, my mom was quick to reassure me that I shouldn't fear childbirth. I was surprised at how well it went, actually. As soon as you came out, the instant you came out, There was no more pain. And I was like, oh, this is no problem. (laughs) What's the problem? Was there a problem? (laughs) It's reassuring to hear that my mom dealt with the unexpected. Maybe it's baby steps, but I feel like I'm finally getting over my fear and accepting the realities and the unpredictability of birth. Reporting there by Alyssa Herr. We Australians are by nature beach lovers who flock to the ocean for our holidays. But spare a thought for those people who are too afraid to get in the water. It isn't aquaphobia, not the fear of water itself, but instead a fear of what might be lurking under the surface. Producer Lee Yongrong reports on thalassophobia. A few months ago, my friends dragged me along to Brighton Beach, one of Melbourne's famous attractions. Everything was fantastic, but when I looked a little bit further, the sparkling waves brought on my thalassophobia, which is the fear of the ocean. I couldn't help getting goosebumps when started imagining how deep the ocean could be and what actually looked beneath its peaceful surface. As I discovered, I am not the only one who gets nervous around deep bodies of water. That is unsettling to me, just looking at the deep, open ocean at the very bottom. <laughs> My parents found it to be like a, a problem. They just found it annoying that their own son was like, oh my, oh my God, you're scared of the ocean? What the hell's wrong with you, kid? It's just the ocean. Hoshi is a second year college student currently living in Thailand. Just like me, his biggest fear is the deep open ocean. For my first four years of my life, I lived by the ocean uh, with my family. And so the first time I discovered I had thalassophobia, was when we took this motorboat to this one remote island just for like a vacation. The first thing we had on our schedule at the time was that we would be going like snorkeling or scuba diving. But we chose the worst place to go to since it wasn't like a shallow area. There were no corals or anything. It was just a deep open ocean. And I never went underwater ever. And this was like the first time. I think the moment that the feeling started kicking in was when I just simply went straight underwater with my snorkeling goggles. And then everything I see around me is just like, from left and right, 
it was like a really pretty blue color. But as soon as I start facing down, looking at the, the deepest part of the ocean where it just leads to pure dark blue darkness, just deep into the abyss, that's where I started to feel really uneasy. And I got super scared. I cried my ass off. And then so I, I begged my dad to just like, let me stay on the boat. I don't want to get back in there ever again. Hoshi is also a YouTuber with 11,000 subscribers. He made a video describing his lasphobia. It actually blew up on YouTube. I was wondering how he felt about it. 50% relieved and 50% kind of surprised. I actually didn't know people are afraid of the ocean as well. So it's like, at least I'm not alone. Wow, 12,000 people actually can relate to me. Thank God. <laughs> It seems that the fear of the ocean is more common than we think. Nate also agreed. He is the administrator of a Facebook group called Slasphobia, which he created last year. I have new members joining every day. I think almost everybody is at least a little thalassophobic. Yeah, I think pretty much everybody, no matter where you live. Like I live in Colorado in the United States. I am in a landlocked state. We have no ocean anywhere near me. And yet everybody I talk to is scared of the deep ocean, even though we're on the middle of a continent. <laughs> so why are we so afraid of the ocean? Hoshi had a few ideas about where it all started. What worsens the thalassophobia is just the, the element of darkness or the fear of the unknown. Thalassophobia isn't meant to be as terrifying as it is, but at the end of the day, it is. Like our view on the ocean becomes so distorted that we immediately begin to, to overthink. And I'm an overthinker. That's like my biggest flaw. Exactly. Overthinking is also my problem when I face the vast open ocean. It feels like my brain activates automatically. Those creepy dark images hung on my mind, making me really nervous. Nate shared with me his thought on thalassophobia and why he created the Facebook group. Us not being in control is definitely another huge part of the thalassophobic response. I want to help people face their fears as they see my posts and interact with them and other people share on the group as well. And the more and more posts they see and the more knowledge they gain of the ocean and its depths, I think that is ultimately what helps conquer their fear. The best way to defeat the fear is to face it. Hoshi is willing to have a try. If I do get the opportunity to go scuba diving, just to specifically fight that fear, I definitely would. Even if it's funny, I think it would be a great milestone for me. Most of the time, we have no idea where life will lead us. We are surrounded by fear of unknown and uncontrollable feelings, just like how we perceive the deep ocean. In either situation, we always have the option to face it bravely. That was produced by Lee Yongrong. This is The Yarn, my name's Clancy Balin. Today's episode is on fears and phobias. We end today's episode with a story that's a little different. Producer Chen Chen noticed that even though we go out of our way to avoid our fears, some people actually enjoy scaring themselves. For our final story, she examines why some people seek out fear through watching horror films. Every time this piece of music plays, it means someone is dead. I watched this Japanese cartoon all through my childhood. Every time I watch it, 
my legs shook, and my heart beat faster. Why do people watch things that make them scared? I asked Pothon, a horror addict, to share his feeling about watching horror movies. I kind of feel I sort of feel scary, scary, and terrified. Almost every time I watch horror movie at night, you know, nightmares always come back. So I'm afraid it's, but you know, I like it. It's so amazing. Paul told me watching horror films gives him a sense of thrill without danger. But my friend Michelle, who told me watching horror movies would be her last choice, I know they are artificial, but if they just pop out, pop out out of your expectation, or just all of a sudden, it 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 can still hurt you. Why people have different perspectives about watching horror movies? I was pretty confused, so I went to speak to Song Qi, a postdoctoral at the California Institute of Technology. If you ex you are exposed to some sort of controllable danger, like a roller coasters or horror movies, um, you actually feel good and you feel elevated, because at the same time you feel you feel fear, which grants you this sort of concentration and、um, spirited feeling. On the other hand, you know it's just fake. So why some people hate horror movies? Genetically, some people might just so they weigh the feeling of safety higher than the feeling of this sort of elevated spirited experience. So they just、um, so the utility of feeling safe is higher than the utility of watching a horror movie. Many people believe that when male and female watch horror movies together, they are more likely to fall in love. I asked Michelle to share her idea. I think that's really interesting because you may want to know what's your reaction under a very vulnerable situation, and he might show that he's so strong, he's so masculine, and he's so brave that he can protect you or something like that. Song told me this is a very complicated problem to elaborate. When you feel fearful, and when you feel in love, in some sense, the feelings are overlapping with each other. So the 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 joyful feeling you feel, or the high the elevated feeling you have when you are in love, is the same thing, the same elevated feeling when you are in fear. That's true. Even if I feel scared, I still think watching horror movies with my boyfriend is a memorable and fun experience. Last year, Forbes reported that horror films made worldwide currently gross as much as one billion U.S. dollars annually. Does horror movie has a good prospect in the future? I want to speak to James Corn Lee, a film writer, director, and producer, to share his views. Yes, definitely. The films are kind of getting shorter, and the screen sizes are getting smaller. So the content that you see in like a smaller screen size has to elicit kind of stronger emotions. And horror movies really fit that that kind of、um, I guess template. 
So I, I do I do believe horror films will have an even greater impact in the future. After the interviews, I watched that Japanese cartoon again on my smartphone instead of television. This time, when the sound plays, I feel not scared but tired. Try to enjoy this kind of controlled danger. It is not as scary as you imagine. That story was by Chen Lu Chen. This has been Mental Part Three. For our final episode next week, we turn to catharsis. This episode has been produced in collaboration with the Science Gallery Melbourne. Don't forget to head down to the brand new space in Parkville. The mental exhibition will be running until June, and it's free. If you enjoyed it, please go back to our earlier episodes on brain baggage and the new you, Mental Part One and Two. Massive thank you to our producers Alisa Hare, Lee Yong Rong, and Chen Lu Chen, and of course our executive producer Louisa Lim. The yarn is produced at the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne. I'm Clancy Balin. If you like the show and want to support us, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It makes all the difference. See you next week.